welcome to Innovate for Impact, an informative mini-series brought to you by Tanya Gomez Consulting. In this series, we embark on a journey to explore the remarkable innovations that are shaping the landscape of the NGIS for a more inclusive future. Join us as we uncover inspiring stories of visionary individuals, organisations and technologies that are revolutionising the way we approach disabilities. Um, today, we're sitting here with Narelle Gatti, and we're talking about digital literacy um, in our innovation series about disability innovation. Welcome, Narelle. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks, Tanya. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So can you uh, walk me through the work you're doing around digital accessibility and digital literacy for people with disability? Yeah, about, oh, I've, there's a team that I work with mm. and the founder of the business, Mark, has been working in the vision impaired area of digital uh, literacy and job access for about four years. About a year ago, he realised, and we'd been doing lots of talking, he's also a friend of mine, and we realised that business, NDIS providers, everyone didn't know about the digital accessibility standards and what it meant. And then we realised that they weren't really aware that a lot of us, because people may not be aware, I'm actually, I have a severe vision impairment, so I come with guide dog. I use particular tools on computers. Yeah. We can't access a lot of the information and it's very normal for us not to be able to access the information. Yeah. So we were talking about it and talking about how to solve it and we realised small and medium business weren't aware that the st- there are actually standards. Yeah. They are maintained by Standards Australia. Yeah. They are backed by the Human Rights Commission and the underlying legislation is the Disability Discrimination Act 1992. So we thought, well, what are we going to do about it? And we said, well, let's start educating. Yeah. So we set up an, a, part of, a new part of the business, which is all about auditing, consulting and training the standards. And then I said, well, I'll go and start talking to people. Mm. So I go out all the time. I talk to business. I talk to anyone that will listen about what the digital accessibility standards are yeah. and why they're important. And... It's just rolled on from there, which mm. is how I found you because yeah. I was following your podcast. Yeah, wonderful. Mm. Thank you. That's great. And these standards that you're talking about, are we talking about WCAG standards? WCAG's the basis. In Australia, the actual standard name is ASEN 301-549-2020. It is based on the global standard, which is WCAG, the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Mm. Our current version there is 2.1. However, Australia is running on version 2 level A, there's yeah. three levels of standard within the standard. Yep. What is happening at the end of the month, we're actually going to a new version mm. of the WCAG standards. Now, these standards are not just made up by anyone. They are actually created by Tim Berners-Lee that helped, that invented the web, the, yep. the underlying web, and it is universities. It's all your big players, your oracles, your SQL servers, your Microsoft universities, people like me that are passionate about standards, all contribute to find and create a set of standards on how to build web pages, what the standards are for everything related to the web. And then it's expanded from there into a web accessibility initiative, which is the basis for the web content accessibility guidelines. Mm, That's a great explanation. Oh, it's just an easy one. Mm, Yeah. I am... Uh, as well as having a business 
helping NGIS providers, I have an e-learning business mm. and we develop a lot of uh, e-learning modules for government and we, mm. we do certify our work against WCAG standards um, and different government organisations would require a different level depending mm. what that might look like. So I'm, yeah. I'm somewhat familiar. I have done some training around WCAG standards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand in theory for someone who has no understanding of what even digital accessibility is, what are some examples of things that are included in the standards? An easy one is a video. Captions. Mm. Every video should be captioned. Yeah. Okay. And then there's rules around how you put the videos on your website. You need to be able to stop them, start them. You know those awful ones you get the pop-outs where mm. you can't turn them off? Yeah. Well, that's the surefire way to lose a sale yeah. because people leave it. And it's down to typeface. It's down to type, the size, the font. It's down to colour. Mm. You know, having colours that people can read. Mm. It, it's such simple common sense things that are being applied. And it's really all about readability. It's all about perceivability. What people see because perception, what you might perceive as being good, Obviously, I don't have much sight and yeah. I'll sit there and say, no, that's no good Yeah, because it's perception Yeah, and how different people understand what it's about. Yeah. And as you said, it's accessibility. It's making it's, it's, sure that yeah. everybody is able to yeah, regard, digest it. Regardless of what tool they use, whether like keyboards or mice or pub and sip tools or, oh, you name it, touch screens, like even the kiosks mm. at the shops, mm. they need to be accessible Yeah, because... They're a tool that people use. And mm. it's not just those in the disability sector that it benefits. I mean, we're talking people that just as they get older. Yeah. You know, arthritic people where their sense of touch might be going or diabetes yeah. or you know, it could be anything. Diabetes yeah. is a better way of saying that word. <laughs> but, you know, it's everyone is, everyone uses Zooming. Yeah. Zooming is actually a tool that was built for the, those with disability. Mm. The keyboard, your computer, keyboard, the actual original purpose for the typewriters, or one of them, not the only one, was that people that are blind could write legibly. And that was back in the oh, 1700s, right. late 1600s, excuse wow. me, mm. two Italian guys in two different areas of Italy. Wow. Yeah, it's just, it's fascinating stuff, but it's about ensuring that everyone can understand the information and act on the information, make informed decisions. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and you talked about kiosks and mm. obviously there's a lot of uh, movement like people like Woolworths that have self-checkouts and things like yes. that. Do they also conform to accessibility standards? No. They don't. That's, <laughs> no, that's I, I cannot go and get food. Yeah. I am really reliant on having a support worker. Mm. Uh, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Because I could go to the store, probably find the product, but I can't buy the product unless I can find a checkout yes. where there is a person that can serve me. Yeah. And yeah. it is a huge issue for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I had never thought about that myself, but I can see um, I can see how that would be, you know, that, that is what is disabling, isn't mm. it? It's the environment not having yeah. the basic things to help you be able to navigate and, and be independent. Not being able to make an informed choice. That is so disabling. Yeah. You know, I've got, you know, just my eyes don't work properly and it's only been 15 years since my eyes stopped working properly. Mm. So I was able to make an informed choice 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. 
And I'm at the stage now, at times, I'm reliant on my husband reading it to me and him telling me everything. And his perception is going to be different to mine. Yeah, yeah. And it is really frustrating. Yeah. So, so what what is your your message to small, medium businesses or even big businesses? How do they get started in understanding why they need to do this? How you know, how do they get started? I think first of all, you need to understand the benefits mm. and the benefits to the community. Yes. The benefits to the government. The benefits to the individual and more than that, the benefits to the business. Let's face it, a business is not going to do anything if there's no return on it. Yes. And I was in a meeting yesterday and I liked what this bloke said. He said, how much is business leaking? It's huge. Yeah. Because if a person can't find the information, they move on. Yeah. If a person might be able to find the information but they can't find the cart to make the sale, they move on. Yeah. They go somewhere where they can get it. So the benefits, first off, is a wider target market. Yeah. It is just by its own nature. Yeah. The second benefit is, in particularly on websites, it actually upgrades your search engine optimization or SEO ranking. Yeah. Just naturally it does it yeah. because that's all about text. Yeah. The Another one is costings versus revenue. What's the cost of the business if you don't do it? Yes. Is leaked sales, your reputation's not as good, mm. um, it, and that's just for a start. Word of mouth, mm. you know, I've, obviously I'm part of the blind community, and we were at a bar a couple of weeks ago, and there was, a, I think it was 10, 14 of us. Yes. Between all of us, you know, by the time we had drinks, mm. food, it was, you know, Christmas in July, so it was a bit more expensive and we yes. had a good time. We we're probably each spent eighty, ninety dollars. Yeah. Easy. So there's probably a thousand dollars. And that bar goes out of their way to make sure that like, we had the menu sent to us early. Mm. Just little things that they do yeah. that make the difference for us. So we go back time and time again. Yeah. And he knows, you know, any big thing, we're going to help the people. Yeah. Yeah. Because they look after us. Yeah. The food mightn't be the most brilliant food. Well, it is actually very good food. It is actually really good food. Sorry, Rob, it's great food. It is actually. But the hospitality, the consideration, yeah, yeah, that brings in people. Yeah. And, it, and it, we tell people Yeah, because we're all constantly talking about this bar. Yeah. So we're having other people saying, oh, we've got to go and try that bar. Yeah. So there are huge benefits to it. Mm. The cost of implementing it, well, there's two ways you can do it. For us, we'd love to see it become just standard operating procedure in every business, like you do Control C. Mm. Yep. Don't ever use Control B. Don't use use styling, mm. because screen readers, assistive technology, cannot read that one letter's formatted mm. right. with a Control B. It just can't do it. Right. But you know, it, it's the cost of implementing. In the short term, it's like anything when you're implementing any new practice, mm. whether it's a piece of software, a new process, a new tool that you've got to use, there's always that initial cost. Yes. What are your benefits? Are? A wider target market. Mm. People like me in the NDIS participant area, because obviously we laugh and call ourselves the providers to the providers, Yeah. but we're also participants. Yeah. And all three of us, 
in the business are participants. Mm. Yeah. Every one of us. And if we can't find the information, we move on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I audit NJS providers from a practice standards point of view. And, you know, I, I don't look at their WCAG compliance, mm. but I can look at their websites and see that they're not user-friendly, you know, in, in any way. Um, and I wonder, I wonder if there are what, what the proportion of NJS providers who cater for people with disability specifically who have even thought about how accessible is my marketing material. Most don't. Yeah. It is really, really bad. When I was sort of thinking about this in the last couple of days and talking about one of my business partners and talking about, well, you know, what do we want to say? And we're sitting there saying, well, you know, it's a bit disrespectful, isn't it? Yeah. In one way, we feel, and it might seem, it's not extreme actually, mm. if we can't find the information, if we can't understand the information because of bad structure or bad wording or whatever it is, it can at times feel disrespectful and yeah. you don't want to work with that business. Yeah. Most NDIS providers that we've talked to either A, don't know about it, and that's understandable yeah. because universities are not really teaching it. Yes. The government themselves are not enforcing it. I can tell you now the government itself is not. I, can't, I can go on most government websites and, no, they're not meeting the guidelines. Yeah, right. The moment I start using one of the tools that I use mm. to audit because I am a certified auditor yes. in the standards, they're not there. Yeah, and right. it might only be minor things and people might think, oh, that's just minor. But you know what? It's not minor mm. for the person that can't understand what's being said in that particular area. It's yeah. not minor. The, the NGS practice standards have a requirement to communicate in the mode of, mm. uh, to provide information in the mode of communication yeah. that the participants are most likely to understand. And how the sector seems to have interpreted that is easy read documents. And that's frustrating. Pictures. I'm degree qualified. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. My business partner, one of them, he's a doctorate. Yes. The other guy's he's got his masters. Not one of us is silly. Need, needs it broken down into pictures. We don't need pictures. Yeah. Do you know what's really missing? Is people don't ask. Stop assuming. Assumptions are what are killing mm. NDIS participants because mm. we are never asked, How would you like the information sent to you? Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's the most simple question. Simple question. Mm. And give them options. We can send it on paper for mm. those that are not technologically savvy mm. or we can send it by email. And if you do send it by email, make sure the documents are accessible because that's another area where NDIS providers have a gap in their process mm. because their website might be accessible mm. but nothing else is. Their yeah. emails might not be. I'm really lucky. My, my uh, support workers, they are great. They actually, so I don't even have to go and look at the bill. They send me a plain text within the email as well. So, oh, yeah, I got it. I don't have to look at the bill. I just, yeah, done. Wonderful. It's simple stuff. Yeah. Um, it could be they want it on speech. Mm. Yep. You know, people that are dyslexic, people with acquired brain injury where their injuries are such that their retention for reading word is not good. Yes. You know, if you've got audio processing, visual processing, if you're neurodivergent, there yeah. is so many different ways and just a few simple questions. How do you want the information delivered to you? Yes. 
And ask respectfully. It's really, you know, it's asking the questions. Yeah. It's a simple thing. And then following up, making sure every piece of documentation that you send out yes. is accessible. Yeah. And not actually ever auditing it yourself and saying it is. Yes. Because the moment you do that, yeah. you're like that mechanic that changes the oil, looks at the tyres and says, yeah, I can write my own roadworthy certificate for yeah. my car. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. That's actually dangerous. And people don't realise it can be life-threatening. Yeah. Because if we cannot find the right information, mm. how can we act on it? And yeah. it can be dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you like to see happen in, let's just stay with NJS yep. providers, what would you like to see an NJS provider do differently? Every NDIS provider should make sure they talk to a digital accessibility consultant mm -hmm. in conjunction with their website developer. They should make sure they are certified. So that is the website is certified as being tested for compliance, conformance to the uh, the uh, to the standards. Yes. Always, and Australia needs to make sure that we are on the latest standards, not well, at the end of this month, two versions behind. Right. And it should be at the AA standard. The basic standard doesn't help most people. Right. So the standards need to live yes. in the Australian Federal Government. Every provider should be certifying their websites, which means the Australian Government is incumbent upon them to make sure that the education is there and not small business like we're going around talking about it. Yes. It should be just part of it. You must be certified that you are meeting mm. these standards. Right. And then follow through should happen. Because it's not just going to be an end saving to the business. Yeah. Paying bills. I, I'm at the stage now, if I ask for a third time for a bill to be made accessible, and I have done it, I said, well, if I can't read the bill, I can't pay the bill. Yeah. And they freaked. And yeah. I said, but that's not my problem. Yeah. You haven't given the bill to me in a form that I can read. Yeah. I, I have a, um, a client of mine who's a... Um, a plan manager, and she she works pretty much exclusively with the vision impaired community. Mm -hmm. And she was actually one of the people I audited first many years ago. And I was so impressed by how this one woman had so many participants. And I asked her how and why, and her business cards were in Braille, and mm -hmm. um, she communicated her service agreements. She got translated the key details, not the personal bits, but the key details and policies into Braille, and everything else was done in voice file. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, her husband was vision impaired, and I asked her, you know, how, you know, this is, a, a, this is amazing and a lot of effort. And, and, well, first I asked her, how did you get so many participants? And she said, well, it only takes doing it really well. To, for the whole community to decide. And she walked me through other really simple things she was doing, like um, she didn't she didn't get anyone to come to the office. She always did home visits. Mm. Um, that, you know, um, uh, lots of things about the weather and making sure that if you're going out that you've thought about what happens with, with guide dogs. Mm. And, you know, there was lots of things that she had in place and there were things that I myself weren't familiar with, but it was obvious that she was serving that community yeah. really well. Yeah. And it was the benefit. The benefit was they told all their friends, they told That's everybody good. else in the community and she had a very successful business with, yeah. I can't remember now, but it was hundreds, I believe, I, mm. from memory, of participants she had just because she decided to to do accessibility really well. 
and and that's what it's all about and it really does come down to you know getting a certifier mm. to actually certify the websites and things because a certifier has to test on not just one or two browsers they have to test on screen readers they yeah. have to test on braille sensors yeah. i don't test on the puff and sip yeah i don't test on the braille i don't know braille mm. never bothered and i probably won't learn braille yeah. i did start learning I had too many things to learn at the time and I yeah. stopped doing that. Yeah. But, you know, getting someone that is testing correctly yeah. and doing a good follow-up, and that's why testing, you never test your own work in anything. That's right. And that's why it's so important that make sure and ask the questions, do the people have their professional certification yeah. with web content accessibility guidelines? Yeah. And, and what is the process for someone to reach out to you and your organisation to engage you for that piece of work? Uh, it's easy. You can either ring us on 0438-771-424. That gets you through to Mark. Our email is reception at d-a-s-s for sam, a-t for tom, dot com dot au. Our website, we've actually been using it as a training tool to show people how easy it is to take a website from when it was really, really bad. And it, I actually spent about a month and a half putting accessibility issues into it because <laughs> two of us are coders by trade. That's what we did. Wonderful. We were coders. Yeah. And then now we're in the process of removing all the yeah. errors. So we're still in the construction phase because we're actually talking through what we're doing, yeah. why we're doing it, how we're doing it, so that then we can give that to web developers mm. and train web developers in how to do it as well. Mm. Yeah, amazing, amazing. It's um, it's great work that you're doing and I think it's just so, so important, especially with technology continuing to evolve and move mm. so quickly and be a really main way that we all communicate yeah. each and every day. Yeah, and this is it. And, and to be honest, the cost to the individual, to the community, mm to the business and to society are more than if it's implemented because it's not just the cost of not implementing it, yeah. it's the cost to the individual's mental health. Yeah. I get so frustrated mm. and cranky when I can't go and do something and yeah. it could be something as simple as paying a bill. Yeah. And then I have to go and get my support worker mm. to sit there and help me. Yes. When my husband's not available, so there's $60 an hour. Yeah. And then I have to then get the NDIS to pay the support worker, mm. which means everyone's got to pay extra taxes. Yeah. It's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. So we just want to bust that circle. Yeah, wonderful. Right great. at the start, just bust it. Mm. Amazing. Thank you. I think you're doing really great work and I'm, I'm – Really looking forward to connecting with you. I'm going to check out your website and you know, happy to share your details with, with all of my clients because I think it's something that, as you said, every NDIS provider really should be doing. They should. It's all about giving us the power to make informed choices mm. on what we want to spend, where we want to spend it and how we want to spend it. And it could even be something as simple as a menu at a cafe because yeah. nearly every menu is inaccessible. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Narelle, for joining me today and coming and talking about digital literacy and, sorry, digital accessibility. <laughs> it is um, so great to have you here and to meet you and I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes for you. 
Thanks, Tanya. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you so I'm much. passionate about it, so now I'll get off my soapbox. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> you should be passionate about it. It's, it's a really important issue. Yeah, yeah. it is. Again. Thank you. Yeah. On the next episode of Innovate for Impact. You focus in on what you're good at. Focusing on what you're good at. You know, some of these other systems like Shiftcare and all the other systems that you named, you know, I, I, I put them in the bucket of ERPs, right? All your, your, all your core management systems. They're good at running your operation, the recording, all the stuff that you're doing. Um, but for us, our background was compliance. You know, for, for these large corporates, we were quality management systems, we were business management systems, uh, we were like knowledge capture systems. So that's what our, our history was. So moving into compliance was natural for us because we had all the learnings already prior. Thank you for joining us on another enlightening episode of Innovate for Impact. Stay tuned for more thought-provoking conversations and innovative ideas that drive positive change within the NDIS space. Remember, together we're shaping a future where innovation and impact go hand in hand.